0: it's not so much about the quote-unquote success or failure. It's about finding what really lights us up and moving into that and then having the trust that if we're on that path where we're feeling inspired inside to do whatever work we're doing, it's where we need to be and, and things will always work out fine.
1: Welcome to the Wow Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Kay. On each episode, I share interviews, insight, and inner thoughts to help you manifest your unique abilities that align passion with purpose. Join me in the conversation as we reveal ways to help you live well, be well, and discover a wealth of wellness. Chris began his martial arts training at the age of 10. A short, chubby little kid, he was enamored with a popular television show at the time called Kung Fu. After much persuasion, Chris's mom finally let him go to his first martial arts class he felt like it was coming home. Following a four-year collegiate football career and 10 successful years in corporate sales, Chris followed his heart and turned his attention to his real passion, transforming lives through martial arts and its leadership principles. For over four decades, Chris has been a dedicated student and teacher of the martial arts, achieving the rank of eighth degree black belt master instructor in 1999, Chris was the United States National Taekwondo Champion. Now, as a leadership coach, professional speaker, and Amazon number one best-selling author, Chris works to inspire organizations and individuals to reach higher levels of leadership, teamwork, passion, and breakthrough results by embracing the champion's mindset. Welcome to the show, Chris. How's it going?
0: Excellent, Kay. I'm doing great. It's great to be here.
1: Thank you so much. I, wow, I was reading about your work and your bio. That is incredible. That is so inspiring. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation with you.
0: Thanks. Me too. Me too.
1: When I first read about it, you know, you we have a lot in common. Um, when I was younger, I was also a chubby kid <laughs> <laughs> and found a passion for, you know, wellness and, and showcasing others' wellness and performing. So we have a, a lot in common, and I kind of want to hear a little bit about how this all started. Let's take it back to those, um, those years as a child watching Kung
0: Fu. Oh my gosh, well, that's really where it started. And that was, that was back in 1973. And although many of your listeners may not be aware of this, but back during that time, martial arts was not a kid's activity, okay? okay? So now you'll see a martial arts school in almost every corner. And when the Karate Kid movie came out in 1980, all the kids came, but I was the only child among a bunch of 20 something males. And but yet I felt, as I said in my bio, I felt like I came home. And then about three years after that, I meet a man that would change my life forever. In fact, he's still my instructor to this day. His name is Grandmaster J. K. Lee out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I was in one of his classes for the first time, and I was seated in the corner of the room stretching my legs. And I had them spread pretty wide as I'm getting ready for the class. And he walked onto the mat. He has this amazing presence and this amazing power. And he's looking at all the students and pretty soon I realized he's he's staring directly at me. And before I could move a muscle, he'd come over and he sat down in front of me. And he put his right foot on the inside of one leg and his left foot on the inside of the other. He grabbed the ends of my belt with both of his hands and then he split me out to 180 degrees. Oh, my. Yeah. Right. And 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 I learned two, two important life lessons that day. Uh, The first one is anyone can do the splits one time. Right. But but the second thing is, and this is what made it so transformational is he looked me in the eyes and he said to me in his broken English. He said, I will make you a champion. I will make you a champion. And age 13, you know, of course, you're thinking of medals and trophies. But what I realized is he was talking about being a champion in life. Wow. And, uh, you know, and, and he became basically my angel because I didn't have great male role models at that time. And he's the one man who saw greatness in me and he called it out for me. And I figured if he, uh, if he see, if he can see, and he believes it, I got to believe it too. So totally transformational.
1: That is an incredible story. And to have at such a young age, a mentor, a, a someone that you can look up to like that and encourage you and That is something that's so special and it sparks something in you, you know, what a what a blessing that is. Oh, he
0: was like I said, (laughs) he was my angel. And and what it really also did is as I went on to be a martial art teacher and then eventually a coach, you know, like I do life coaching and business coaching now, I realized the power that we have in our words when we speak to people. So Mm -hmm. I was very conscious of it when I was teaching a lot of kids. I was conscious of it as a parent and then as a, you know, a life coach also as well. It's just our words can be so powerful and people, particularly when they're in vulnerable states, you know, they're going through challenges, they're, you know, they're finding out and live, you know, learning about themselves. All it can take is one sentence, one phrase that can bring someone off on a totally different trajectory. So I've always valued that in the work that I've done since.
1: Wow. You know, just saying that actually reminds me of a moment when I was uh, in my earlier twenties and I was going through, you know, a lot of life changes, some good, some bad. And I didn't have the best of confidence at the time, but I had um, met this wonderful couple at, um, at the church I was going to. And the gentleman had told me, he said, Kayla, you're really smart. And it like changed how I thought about myself. Right. That, like you said, one sentence, one phrase, and I—it's just something like that, and it—it it, it empowered me to open my first business. And still to this day, I work through that business. I still yes. do freelance design, and yeah. it's incredible to hear stories like yours because it—it—it it, it, it just shows us too the responsibility of our words. That's right, and that's something I think. I definitely forget about is the, the responsibility, of, not only of my words to others, but my words to myself, which oh, are the hardest.
0: <laughs> man, you're, you're, speaking my, you're speaking my language, my friend. You're, you're so right because really, and particularly in a, a lot of things in the work that I do, it's it's about transforming that inner voice, right? Mm-hmm. The things that we either have taken on, that people have said, and that we've just assumed them to be true, either good or bad, and then the judgments that we make, and we don't realize how some of that starts at a very young age and it never changes. It might morph into different ways, but the same things that are holding us back today are oftentimes you can trace them all the way back to something that happened when we were really young and we created our own belief about ourselves. And you know, there, there's always that statement that says, would you talk to yourself or would you, excuse me, would you talk to your best friend the way you talk to yourself, right? Because sometimes we say things to ourselves that just really aren't too productive and too nice.
1: Oh my goodness. It's so crazy you say that because just the other day I said that exact, those exact words to one of my best friends. And I said, the words I say to myself, I need to pre-, like, instead of looking at in the mirror at myself, picture my best friend. And I can guarantee you those words would stop. That's like, right. <laughs> isn't it? It's just crazy. It's, and yeah. I just, that, that kind of brings me to another question. What do you feel, you know, starts that trigger? Like I named my inner voice, my nasty inner voice, her name is Bertha. And she comes out when I'm under stress, when I feel like I'm having imposter syndrome, perfection paralysis, all of these things that we all struggle with from on some level from time to time. So how do we kind of like get a grasp on that? How do we like, uncover where that's coming from and then start to kind of let that go or transform that
0: voice. It's a great question. I, I think the first thing that we need to do is when it comes up is we need to recognize it. We need to accept it. We need to look at it because many times, you know, we're always talking about, you know, fighting the ego and pushing things aside. And what I find is that shadow side, if you will, the more we try to resist it, the resist it, the more it tends to seep up in ways that are even more destructive. But when we look at it, you know, like, hey, thanks a lot for sharing. And I'm going to choose not to believe that about myself. And then it becomes a practice. You know, it's like, uh, I think that there's a lot of things. I think that I, I have a, a morning ritual that I do each and every day that gets my day started with, I call it the six Ms of morning mastery. And um, what I do each morning is meditation is the first thing I do. And then I do what I call um, mental imaging. So I'm actually you know, visualizing what I'm gonna be doing that day, right? And I see myself and I get in the feel of it. The other is called mind treatment. So that's positive affirmations that I'm making about myself, right? And so that's a way of me constructing that day and and building off a great base. And then after that, every every morning, I do some sort of movement, some sort of exercise. It doesn't need to be a a ton, but it's just getting the body moving. Then uh, the fifth M is motivation. So motivation, I get that through reading. I get it through listening to books and watching videos. And I love TED Talks and I love podcasts. So I do that. And then the final one is memoirs. And so it's literally scribing and journaling. And sometimes some of those ways of um, you know asking ourselves those questions and seeing what's really beneath them comes through that freeform writing. And so I just say it's not like it's always going to happen in an instant, but when we have consistent practices like I just shared with the six Ms, what can happen there is it just becomes more of a natural part of ourselves. And then it's not that those negative thoughts never happen, we're just much more aware of them and we're able to transform them before they really get a hold of us.
1: Wow, like that is that is so insightful. Just like that nugget alone, I could probably do an entire podcast on. <laughs> the six m's i think that is a huge takeaway and that's i think where a lot of us do get stuck we get stuck in that the shadow voice and like the not so much it's speaking but believing the truth yeah believing it as our truth believing it as our it's it halts all sorts of progress and i feel like you know many high achievers as well as people who are just starting out they give up on their journey because they they look at the next the person next to them or they they look at themselves and think, well, I'm not there yet. So why am I even trying? Right,
0: right, right. So. And, or and then another thing I know in my own life and in my martial arts competitive career, oftentimes I was motivated by fear of failure. Now, mm-hmm. in the short term, that worked well at times, but over the long term, it can be really destructive, right? And so it's one of those things where I think when we start to believe in ourselves and we're just comfortable with who we are, it's not so much about the quote unquote success or failure. It's about finding what really lights us up and Mm -hmm. moving into that. And then having the trust that if we're on that path where we're feeling inspired inside to do whatever work we're doing, it's where we need to be and and things will always work out fine, right? And and that's not always the way we look at things in Western society, but I'll just tell you from my own experience and people that i've worked with and and been mentored by that's uh one of their hard and fast rules is find out what lights you up and then lean into that because we all have an inherent gift i i happen to call it that that sense we have i call it the inner champion right it's Mm -hmm. that part of us that when we tap into it's it's true It, it, it 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 it'll never steer us wrong but it's oftentimes difficult to get past it because of all the things that are rolling around up in our noggins, right? And it's about dropping into our hearts and just trusting that, just trusting that.
1: That is so true. I think, especially in today's day and age, and we have cell phones and computers, and we have constant bombarding with thoughts of do this thing and get this thing, Uh, do this diet, achieve this, do this, but there's so many contradictories. There's like, different things that are be, being thrown at us say like diet there's how many different diet plans and then by the time you're like told you're like well which one I guess I can't eat anything what's no. going
0: well, on well you know I, there there is a book and I know the title and right now I'm not thinking of the author's name so forgive me for that but the book title is something like if how-tos were all we needed we'd all be thin happy and rich right
1: Great. so right because there's
0: enough how-tos out there But where are you going to come from? You know, who's that? It's like those things that we want to create and we want to manifest. And I talk this with my clients all the time. They don't come to us. They come through us, right? It's from who we're being. And then we're literally stepping into that. And sometimes that can be really super scary. But, and difficult, but I will will say this in my own life and in the people that I coach and the people that I've taught for years, the times in our lives that we're most proud of are are almost always the times when we've had struggle and we've gotten through to the other side right mm-hmm. when everything happened you know just super easy and, yeah. and everything went great we don't remember those times mm-hmm. but when we struggle and we and we gain the strength of moving through that those are the times that we really value
1: we grow in the valleys that is for that's sure right that's, that's right sure and it's sometimes it's Sometimes these valleys, like, while we're in them, we are thinking, what the heck is going on? (laughs) Like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, I can't just conquer this. And we don't, we don't take the valley for what it is as a time of growth. We look at it like we're failures. And I think that's a mindset that needs to be abolished because we all have, I, I definitely grow in my valleys because then the fruits come after and you can enjoy them more because it's much more meaningful if we were just handed things it wouldn't be as meaningful but to also understand that it's okay to be in a valley and to absolutely be, sit with that not knowing the answers not you know maybe crying here and there it's like we're, we're so quick to um be on top of things all the time when reality that's just not sustainable. We need it's, not, it's not
0: well, you know, one of my one of my favorite books is uh it's called Mastery by Stuart, I believe it's Stuart Emery. And he talks about the road to mastery. And I, I use this in my coaching as well is that most of our time on a road to mastery doesn't go directly, you know, northeast, right? We don't just make that easy climb. What happens is is most of our time on the road to mastery is in a plateau. And so we're just hanging out. We're just going at the same level. And then we generally dip where we actually get worse and then we actually bounce up ahead of our old plateau. Mm. And then we plateau, plateau, we dip again, but then we go up ahead of the old plateau. So in essence, we do move Northeast, but there's a lot of times in mastery when you're in plateau. I mean, I know that from my martial arts experience, there'd be times like I can't get any better at the skill. And then one day I go train and I actually feel worse, but then all of a sudden, boom, something happens and I'm back on track. So I think if we, we're in a very fast um, food society, if you will. We expect results right away. and sometimes fast results are a good thing. But generally the ones that stay with us are the ones that we have to cultivate and we have to live through over time.
1: Oh, that is so true. and that's that's kind of a, a point I'm coming to in my life too is just like embracing that and knowing that you know what we see on what we see on the surface of somebody else's life, Let's take an example. Someone we look up to. We don't see their peaks and valleys, their plateaus. We're That's seeing right. all of a sudden, like, I, like Chip and Joanna Gaines, for example. Yeah. I yeah. love the Gaineses. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, well, they're just there. They're just like up there. And then you, I, my husband and I read through Chip's book. And no, they had 10 years of struggle. Right. They had to close the business once. They were selling yeah. furniture out of their home. That's right. And it just shows you know that we all have that and like it develops grit and it develops determination and sometimes I think the biggest struggle for people who are at least like they're they're achieving mindsets is that we are a lot like steel this we're strong but we are corrosive to ourselves right and I saw that meme the other day and I was like wow that is so true that we are our own worst corrosiveness to absolutely. destroying our our potential.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And what and what we don't realize, you know, you talked about gains. You know, it's it's like that saying. It took it took me 15 years to be an overnight sensation, right? Mm-hmm. People don't understand. They just look at the results, and it's so true. And, and you know that's why. And I don't do it probably as much as I'd like, but I have learned over the years to really value biographies. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a big self-help guy, and I read all these things on self-help and leadership and development. And I love that kind of work, but sometimes it's those stories, right? Because those stories help us resonate to that part inside of ourselves that we can identify. And I know early in my my professional speaking career, I was I, uh, the business was not coming to me the way that I wanted to, and I was calling my mom. Um, she's the one person that I can kind of drop my guard and just bend to, right? So I'm just telling her how awful my career is now and why did I ever think about this blah 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 and she listens to me and then she says um so you want to be one of those motivational speakers huh and I said yes she goes do you think anyone is going to want to listen to you if your life has always been perfect and you never had to go through any hardships and I was like you know who's on the phone here (laughs) you know where did are you really my mom but she was just so spot on And it made me realize that when we want to do transformational work, help others in transformational work, we have to be willing to share the transformation we went through and not just the end results where we're coming out like the shiny coin. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that vulnerability that Brene Brown always talks about, right? And that's what connects us as human beings. It's like everybody wants vulnerability in other people, she says, but they don't want to show it themselves. Isn't that the irony? You know, we always respect that of people that are, you know, in whatever context, whether it's one-on-one or on stage, man, they were just so vulnerable. They told their story and, but man, I don't know if I don't want to share that, but that's where the power is. That's where the growth is.
1: Oh, 100%. And I found it even too, like in the little things, like kind of um, bouncing off of that. I, you know, I think of just little things where I just show a humanness, vulnerable side and say, Hey. I messed up here. I'm sorry if this came off this way. I did that, you know, owning, taking ownership of ourselves. And then all of a sudden people's like walls That's melt right. away. Cause there's nothing to hide from because I'm saying, Hey, I'm not, I'm human. I'm, I'm imperfect. I'm flawed. And, and, and especially that bust down, like that whole pedestal thing. It's like, it just brings you back to a human level. I think it's so
0: important. Amen. And it not only works in in relationships, you know, friends, um spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, et cetera, but it also works incredibly well in leadership. I mean, there are so I, I think it's more and more prevalent now, but I think many people think that when they're in leadership positions, they have to show as if they've got, you know. All their ducks in a row and there's no chinks in the armor and what ends up happening is is the people then that they're leading they feel that's the way that they have to come across and oftentimes will even hide imperfections and hide mistakes and then you develop this this element of distrust in organizations but when you know a leader is vulnerable and they take account when they've made a mistake it frees everyone else up to do the same and that's when organizations can really thrive
1: oh that is so true and like it's interesting to see in businesses, like even businesses that seem to be super, super successful, large corporations, if the leadership is not, you know, if they're not, if it's like oil and vinegar, like or oil and water, they're not driving, they're not being transparent. It's going to create a culture, even, even if it's not apparent at the at the surface there's a depth that people sense and feel unknowingly so but there's like you can sense there's something you can't really trust but when people come to the the forefront and are honest and they also accept who they work with as also flawed human beings you can work through the flaws and you can create a a good synergy and trust and growth-mindedness because I kind of think too of like when as it say a child if you are constantly beat down on in terms of like you mess that up what does that make you do mess up more i think that goes into adulthood yeah, too.
0: absolutely and, and and then that becomes people's identity mm. like it's really dangerous and i've seen it a number of times you know in my martial art career i've taught you know tens of thousands of kids and i've watched thousands of parents parent those kids and I've seen both the positive and the negative of that. And when people, we we all, as we grow and we're learning to be who we are, we take on identities. And there are literally kids that will take on the identity of the mess up, of the screw up, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's just because that's how they've learned to relate to the world. And it has nothing to do with their inherent intelligence and, and value or whatever. It's just the identity they've taken on. And then when we grow into adults, it, then it just it just uh, manifests even greater ways of doing it, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, and so it's. But the, the thing of it is, is that when we get really honest with ourselves and when we are adults, now we do have a choice to, to, to change that, then it is about being honest and accepting all those parts of ourselves. And that sometimes is the hardest thing to do, but that's where the freedom is, right? That's wow. where the real freedom is.
1: That's true. And that's something I've you know, been working on more and more recently yeah. then you know in my my 20s I I kind of didn't really you know it's a very surface level and now like getting into my 30s I've been I just feel like uh, getting a little bit more wisdom a little bit more self-acceptance although it's a struggle um, yeah. but surrounding myself with people who are also in that mindset of of growth self-acceptance I feel like who you surround yourself with is a huge factor too. Um,
0: yeah. Jim, Jim Rohn says that we're an average of the five people we spend up the most time with. So, and I yeah. totally, totally accept that.
1: Mm-hmm. I completely agree. So I, I like that. We're kind of talking about, you know, these struggles that people are going through and all of us at, at, at 1.2 points, 10 points this year in 2020, I'd say a lot of us, you know, had to do some reflection and, that sometimes is ugly. That's not a fun place to be uh, So there's a lot of people gaining new perspective, but how can someone like you help others to direct that into yeah. a positive self growth?
0: Yeah, well, great question. You know, I, I, I've been sharing this quote a lot. This is my favorite quote of 2020. Um, one of my good friends shared this with me that, um, We need to be stubborn in our goals, our visions, whatever, but we need to be flexible in our methods, Mm. stubborn in our goals, but flexible in our methods. And if 2020 taught us anything, uh, I think it's, it's that, right. Mm -hmm. And so when I, like, when I work with people, I basically have them, we focus on five things. The first thing we focus on is helping them get really clear on their vision, right? Many people have difficulty articulating that. You're like, what do you really want to do with this life, with this business, with this relationship? What is that? Most people can tell you what they don't want, <laughs> right? They can tell you what they don't want. And so what I generally do is I, if, if they're if they're stuck and really tell me what they do want, I'll say, what what don't you want to have happen? And they'll, of course, clearly articulate that and say, okay, how can we flip that around? Right? So what's, what's your vision? And then, you know, either developing yourself or working with a coach or whatever you want to do is... Really understand the strategies that will make that come to fruition in your life. And oftentimes, it's not taking massive action, although that can be appropriate at times. I find it's when we take small, consistent steps over time. That's when transformation occurs. And so when I work with people, I, I have this whole process about that I call begin with the end in mind and then break it down right? So we have this huge vision of what we want to create. And sometimes that can be a little intimidating to people. It's so big. I don't know where to start, but you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time,
1: time. right?
0: So you break it down and not, you don't only just break it down, but you integrate it in your life. So it's in your calendar, the activities each and every day, like I shared, you know, the six M's, but other things too, you're taking those steps because those good habits that you have, they don't add up they compound. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. They build off of of one another. Mm -hmm. And then the other things that I always share with people is, and we've been talking it for most of our conversation here, we have to be really clear on having a proper mindset. right? Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a cliche, but it's so true. It's so true. Even identifying the difficult times as having value for us. But then the final two is I think sometimes things we don't maybe think about as clearly is number four is what are some skill sets that you need to you know increase? Where can you expand? Is there a place for you to grow educationally or just in practices? And then finally, this is probably the one that most of us miss, where are the energy drains? Where are you currently putting your attention, your focus, your time, your action into things that don't even serve you anymore? And we just, we have a tendency to do that because we are creatures of habit, right? It's like, have you heard the story of, the, of cutting off both ends of the ham? You ever heard that story?
1: Yes, you know, the, the, yeah, the,
0: the, 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 there's three generations of women in the kitchen at uh, Christmas dinner and the, 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 the youngest uh, cuts off both ends of the ham and she slides the ham in the oven and she says, mom, I've often wondered why do we cut off both ends of the ham? And well, the mom looks and she says, I have no idea, honey, let's ask your grandma. So she goes to her mom and she says, mom, why do we cut up both ends of the ham? And mom says, I have no idea. Let's call, let's call my mom. So, so great grandma is in the old country and they get on the phone and they call her up and they're like, mama, mama, why do we cut off both ends of the ham? And she chuckles and she goes, oh, honey, when I was growing up, we had a very small dish and we couldn't fit the ham in. So we had to cut up both ends, Right.
1: I do remember that now. That right, like, but we do that, don't we? We do we that do as that. human
0: beings. We've just we're creatures oh. of habit, so it's like, where are those energy drains? Where are we putting our focus that isn't serving us, and where can we redirect it so that it's coming out positive for us?
1: Oh my goodness, that is that is so true. Because like sometimes we're more comfortable, even though we're miserable, in the routine. Oh my gosh,
0: stepping you away. Are, truth there, sister, I'll tell you what I I do, you know, and I, one of the things that I do in my work as well in within the martial arts is I do um, self-defense seminars for women. And, uh, and I've had several throughout the years that have been in abusive relationships and they, to a person, they'll almost always say the same thing. Being in the relationship is extremely painful and it's, they don't want to be in it, but it's familiar. So they stay in it rather than leave, because even though they think and they, they know in their heart, there's something better on the other side, they're still scared because they don't know what's really out there. And, and you could take that same logic in anything, you know, P- people who maybe aren't getting healthy the way they want to physically, and doing things with their diet, because it's familiar, things, people that stay in jobs for years, and they don't want to leave, but it is familiar, they know how to deal with it. And because we're adaptive as human beings and we're pretty resilient. So, but it does take courage. It does take courage to leave when it's not right for you.
1: That's so true. I think one of the most, um, one of the things that like forms the most courage in me is seeing people I know and love who've lived their life, just getting through it. And then woke up one day and are 70 Oh, and have it then it's there they feel that it's not always too late but they feel it's too late and that is that in itself is very motivating to me because you know you care deeply for these people We, we we know these people we all have these people in our lives and I'm sitting here like okay how can I Pivot from this mindset and get out of what's not serving me, so I can actually serve to my God-given talents. To be, you know how how we're all meant to serve. We, like you said, we all have a purpose on this earth. We are all valuable. Everyone from the person who's taking out the garbage, picking up the garbage every morning—if they love what they do, they are serving in their capacity they are to be respected for what they do and i feel like it's different for everyone you can have someone who's a ceo of a, a huge corporation or you could have someone who simply takes care goes around to an old folks home and and is a, is a is a care caregiver for the elderly
0: right
1: and that's like that's what my mom did and felt very serving in that part yes. of her life and it's just amazing you know when we kind of like change that perspective, it really can shift us and give us that strength to, to, to move in that direction of
0: finding those. Absolutely. And, you know, it makes me think of a quote, and again, I can't, uh, I can't attribute this quote, because I've heard it from many people, but um, hospice workers will, will tell people that those that are on their deathbeds don't regret in their lives, the things they did, as much as they regret the things they didn't do. Oh my the risks they didn't take, you know, and uh, it, it, when I first heard that, it really made me reflect, um, you know, am I, you know, I, I, that's, I think, I think that's a healthy practice for us, you know, to evaluate that every once and again of like, okay, am I really, am I really showing up the way that I can? I think mean, it's healthy, you know, because, um, you know, being a competitive athlete, you do that all the time. You're constantly, challenging yourself. And then you get out of that and you, and and I I mean, you know, there's that delicate balance of being, I guess it's about being happy, but not satisfied, right? Is you're happy, you're content, you're enjoying life, you're contributing. And I still want to create more because I see, I believe too, that as human beings, we are most happy when we are dealing with challenge, when we are in our creative mode. We're not happiest when things are all running smooth and perfect. I've seen some amazingly happy people that are going through some strife, but they're on a purpose and they're amazingly happy. So
1: that's incredibly true. You know, it's complacency is definitely. You know, I I struggle when I'm in complacency, and I kind of came up with this mode or model, and I don't know if it's actually it might be out in the universe already. Somebody may have already coined this, but. I thought I think of it like um, you have a green light, a yellow light and a red light. And the green light is that everything's going great. The grass is green. The yellow light is kind of where I like to live. It's like, okay, you're challenged a little bit and then sometimes touching into the red to get that little, like if you have that shift you need to make, you sometimes got to get in the red zone, but there's kind of a dance between these zones where I think all three are valid. But I like to live in that yellow zone yeah, and touch uh, into that red a little bit here yeah, and there. Yeah. But sometimes also being in that red too much can um, become really draining and really mm-hmm. disheartening. And that's when those mentors and and people, you like surround yourself with those strong people right. start writing. I pray. I mean, those are the things that help me to get through the, 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 the trying times. Yes. Um, so... I think that's so inspiring. And, um, I would love to touch a little bit, um, on your book and do you, are these some of the things you talk about in your book? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the, this book that, uh, that I just published back in February is called breaking through. And if I, if I may I've got a copy right there and breaking through, I'll tell you how it came about. And I'm really proud of this fact. So one of the things that I do is I have a, um, an event that I do called it's a corporate board breaking experience. So I go to corporations, organizations, etc., and I help them identify a breakthrough that they either want to have in as individuals or as a as a collective group. And then what they do is they write that breakthrough in a very specific way um, on one side of a board that we would break in martial arts training, right? And then on the other side of the board, they write the limiting belief or beliefs that have been holding them back. Mm. And then I, I systematically take them through and teach them how to break the board. Then they stand in front of the room and they say, uh, my name is I am. And they, they say their name, they say their breakthrough. And then they say, what's been holding me back is this. And then we have someone hold the board and they're looking at the limiting belief right in front of them. And then they heel palm, they break you with the heel of their palm, and they, they break the board. And and, it, and it's, it's an amazing, um, amazing event. I've had so many people uh, just in tears, not, not because their hand hurts, but because of joy, right? Because they were able to have that breakthrough. But I always wondered to myself, because I see people here in Denver that have gone through the course with me, and they'll always say almost the exact same thing. I love the board breaking experience. That board is still in my office. I look at it every day. And I often wonder to myself, that's great, but did they ever really experience their breakthrough, right? Or or did they just have a fun experience learning how to break a piece of wood with me? So that's what this book was. This book was designed for those people in that seminar, but it's really could be for anyone that has said there's something in their life that they wanted to have a breakthrough experience in, could be professionally, could be relationally, could be their health and wellness, whatever. And what are the steps if I was coaching you what are the steps that you go through in order to ensure that that happens? So I've got three major core things. Number one is clarifying your vision, which we kind of talked about. Number two is creating your plan. And then number three is taking consistent action. And then each one of those sections has various chapters with activities to help you through uh, to get to that breakthrough. So that's what the book's all about.
1: Oh, I love that! I think I need a copy. All right, <laughs> that is amazing because that is where I think many of us get stuck. We, we have the some of us like we have an idea. We have this like, we have our nest. We know what we want to do, but then we see the elephant.
0: That's right, elephant and it's we don't. Too big. Know. It's too big. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, at the beginning, I call them the three C's. Right. So, clarifying your vision and uh, creating your plan and taking consistent action. And what I say is, is that, and I mentioned it before, is many times we're not clear about what we want. We know what we don't want. So there's a process that they answer answer questions. But then the other thing is getting really clear about why it's important to you. See, when we are really clear of why that's important to us and the impact we're going to make, when the obstacles come, we're much less apt to lay down our sword, if you will, we're like, hey, this why is so big for me. And if I may, I'll indulge, if I could indulge you with a, a short story about that. I, um, I spent my first 10 years out of college in the corporate world, but I always had this dream to open up a martial arts studio. In fact, over my shoulder here, I've got a, an autobiography I wrote when I was 10 years old or 11 years old excuse me and i you know when i was 1 years old i did this when i was 2 i did this and when i was 10 i started taekwondo and i'm now a blue belt and one day i want to own my own school so this was a dream i'd had my whole life right so my my wife at the time who was incredibly supportive through this journey was was really there for me but for any of anyone that's out there thinking about man i don't know if i want to take that risk it's too scary i want you to know i went through it as well um, Deciding to leave the corporate world was not only the most exhilarating time in my life, it was also the most petrifying time. And I started getting panic attacks, Mm. all right? I mean, I'm talking about debilitating in the hospital kind of panic attacks. Mm. So i had already signed the lease on my new studio and I was still working at my old corporate job. And only one person in the whole place knew I was leaving. And I came by after work on a Friday and they were doing the build out of the new center, right? They were framing the doors and putting in the windows and hanging the mirrors. And my, my, my wife at the time was there, she was the general contractor and I had a full-blown panic attack. And I said, this is ridiculous. It's the worst idea I've ever had. I'm gonna call an attorney on Monday, we're getting out of the lease and blah, 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 blah. blah. And she's looking at me like, what the heck are you talking about? So she told me to go home because we'd have a discussion later and she didn't say it in those nice of terms, but so I went home And afterwards, after dinner, I'm like, okay, this is stupid. We're getting, we're going to get out of this thing, blah, blah, blah. And she listened to me. And then she said, very astutely, she said, you know, I supported you in following this dream. And if you want to get out, I'll support you with that as well. I just have one request. I said, that's fair. What's your request? She said, my one request is that you sit our two sons down and you tell them why you are choosing not to go for your dream." And I couldn't have that conversation because I realized that that was part of my why I wanted to demonstrate. I never had that demonstrated for me by my father. I wanted, I'd been telling my kids since they were, you know, since they could remember you can do anything in life, but here I was getting ready to do it myself. And I was ready to pack it in. And I couldn't do that. I couldn't have that conversation. So what a beautiful gift she gave me. Right. And so that's why I always tell people get clear on your why. Cause when you do that, man, things start opening up, not only inside of us, but also outside as well.
1: That's true. That's an incredible story. And it just, it was very, it's, it's amazing how people can just like say one thing and impact us. And, and sometimes, sometimes it's that getting us back on track and right. like reminding us of our why or, you know, helping us defeat that imposter syndrome that we all kind of get into those mindsets. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think and everybody who's out there right now is some something that they're just itching to get out and do and, yeah. and try. And I think it, it, this is so encouraging. This has been such a great conversation. I love the way this podcast unfolded and I think it's just amazing. And I, I'd love to, um, connect, you know, connect our our listeners with your platforms? Where can they find your book? Mm
0: -hmm. Thanks so much. So the book is obviously available on Amazon. So you just go breaking through by Chris Natsky. Uh, What I've been telling, you know, tell everyone is you can always find out about my programs by going to my website, which is chrisnatsky.com. C-H-R-I-S-N-A-T-Z-K-E. N N is in Navy. Um, And actually, if you go to my website, the first thing you'll see is you can download, there's two ways you can do this. You can download the introduction to Breaking Through. So you can do that either through my website or or if you'd rather just simply text the word breakthrough to 720-741-6263. That's 720-741-6263. They can type the word breakthrough, send it to us, and you'll also get a downloadable version of the introduction to Breaking Through.
1: Wow, that sounds wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for taking the time to talk to me today, to share with our listeners. I have my one final question. Hey, What is something you could tell someone who's in that situation, uh, whether it be a corporate job, a troublesome relationship, um, self-loathing, Anything that's like at that, that's like, that's got that their claws in, what is like the first thing you could tell them to help them get out of that mindset, like that first step.
0: Yeah, excellent. Well, it just came to me now. Wasn't planning on sharing this, but I I literally I, I write a weekly blog called the mind of the champion tip of the week. And I was talking about, you know, how we some tools for moving through challenge last week. And you know, when we were growing up, um, we were told if you ever Catch, catch on fire, you need to stop, drop, and roll, right? Mm-hmm. Stop, remember that? Stop, yep. drop, and roll. <laughs> but I came up with my own version of that, of over, being able to overcome that negative self-talk, and I call it stop, drop, and breathe. And the first one is to stop and get clear about what's really happening, because many times we get caught up in our story. So take some time and just look at things objectively, and rather than you know, and I do this at times, you know, catastrophizing of all the things that are going to happen in the future. What's present for you right now? Get present. Number two, drop. Get out of your head and drop into your heart. Okay, just be there. Even if what I recommend to people is they just actually literally put their hand on their heart and just start feeling that because what happens is, is we start to dissolve all that negative self-talk and we connect with ourselves, who we really are. And then when we're doing that, breathe, get into our breath. And from that place, that's where you just ask, okay, what's the next step I need to take? And I can guarantee you, when you set yourself from that place, now all of a sudden your own inner wisdom starts coming through and you can get through almost any challenge. So that's been my experience. So stop, drop, and breathe.
1: Oh wow. That is like if that, I mean, if I can take even one nugget out of this, that in itself is a game tinder for for myself as and as well as many. Um That is amazing. I thank you so much again for being on the show, being on the wow factor and for sharing your knowledge. And you guys definitely grab a copy of Chris's book. It's been a joy having you on. Thank you so much.
0: Okay. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much.
1: If you like what you heard on today's episode, be sure to send this to a friend or loved one. If you want to dive in deeper and learn more about our guests and interviews check out bewellwithwow.com or follow me on instagram at kayla underscore does that's kayla underscore d-o-e-s we'll see you next time